must be time for Colin Peacock and Midweek Media Watch. Kia ora, Colin. Kia ora, Karen. Are we going to start with uh, that slap or was it a punch? <laughs> yeah, I think it was definitely a slap. I've seen the slow-mo. Uh, yeah, look, uh, there will be people rolling their eyes, I imagine, because so much has been said about it already. So I won't say too much un- unless you want to. But uh, I happen to be on social media um, killing time on a certain microblogging site, Rhymes with Bitter. And that was started going crazy when people were making the, the kind of comments you often see there, you know, WTF, what the hell was that? And I'm just thinking, oh, Oscars, celebrities being weird, who cares? I wasn't interested. But I gather that the American TV uh, coverage was uh, the worst of it was kind of censored out or bleeped over, um, which did leave people confused. But within minutes, people were sourcing, you know, the full uncut clip from Australian and Japanese TV and uh, and throwing that up on uh, up on Twitter so a lot of people got to see it. So kind of amazing how an event can be um, sort of picked over and, and rebroadcast in that sense on a platform like that. But uh, you know, I'm a bit of a showbiz dolt and I wasn't really sure how big a deal this was. So I turned on the radio to, is this actually something that New Zealand media are going to be talking about for 24 hours non-stop? I tuned into Today FM, the relatively new talk station from MediaWorks, uh, first of all. And uh, at the time I did, this was the question that the host, Leah Panapa, and Mark Richardson were asking on the air. He slapped him. What man slaps another man? Yeah, I think a slap is humiliating for the slapper. Yeah. Yeah. MP? You don't slap a bloke, you punch. Oh, no, no, no. If, if you slap, that's disrespectful. Is like it? a punch is like just a, yeah, we on. If you slap another man, you're like, <laughs> I don't even respect you enough to punch you. Really? Oh, really? Slap you, yeah. Boy, we've, been out of, we've been out of the streets for what a long about- time, Mark. <laughs> yeah, so that, that got me thinking, am I a bit out of touch with the streets too? Is it massively disrespectful just to slap another man rather than punch them? And, you know, so all the Hollywood context, all that stuff, that's uh, what I ended up thinking about thanks to Today FM. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about the actual violence involved? Yeah, exactly. Well, that did get well canvassed as well. But on ZB, I flipped over to them. The afternoon hosts were talking all about that and nothing else. They were appalled that um, Will Smith hadn't been kicked out of the auditorium, but probably forgetting uh, that would have been a bit awkward when he was up for the Best Actor Award not long after. Um, and then I turned over, I think, a little way after that, that they were getting started with the panel on RNZ National. And they were not talking about it. Instead, um, at the time I tuned in, they happened to be talking about this. Every now and then the new package turns up, but it's just so easy. And I think in yeah. some ways, um, you know, we're going to talk about cost of living a little bit later on, but, you know, two two clicks basically on one of those ads and, you know, I've done the PayPal and all of a sudden my delivery is on its way and I'm keen for some advice and guidance. And does anyone else have this problem with impulse buying? All right, let's put it up there. So I don't think in the wake of Slapgate that, you know, uh, Scott Campbell, the PR man's uh, impulse purchases via Instagram are really going to engage uh, the topic uh, during yeah, the, the fallout from Oscargate. Do you think they deliberately avoided it? It was hard to tell because they did go right. I kept listening because I thought, are they going to mention it or not? I mean, of course, it doesn't really matter, but it would have been interesting if they had decided sort of not to. Uh, and they went all the way through. But the odd thing was at 4 p.m. just after that, RNZ's news led with it, uh, with Jane, Jane Campion winning the best director, but then they played the, the, the full audio with, with a bleep or two of the incident, so they regarded it as, you know, bulletin leading worthy. But it was right at the end of the panel, um, they went to News Hub's movie commentator Kate Roger, and she kind of preempted it. She said, oh yeah, glad to be with you. Do you want to talk about 
the slap or the king hit or Jane Campion. And Wallace Chapman, the host, said, oh, no, please, just uh, let's just talk about Jane Campion, thanks. So, yeah, he did not want to seem to address it, which is an interesting choice. And, um, you know, maybe when the rest of the media were going crazy with it, maybe it's no bad thing if one outlet decides to, you know, play it down a little but I sort of did go from like hearing about something at the Oscars and thinking Ugh, so what to I can't believe they're not talking about the Oscars so yeah certainly pulled me in. Do you think it'll go down in history that moment or just be forgotten in the annals of time? Yeah well people do talk about it that way it'd be up there with I think the early 70s Marlon Brando and I think Shanine Littlefeather I think her name was an indigenous Native American who accepted the award on his behalf and uh, you know that became controversial I think John Wayne had to be restrained from beating her up at some point and she got dissed by Clint Eastwood and people talk about that as a bit of intolerance that uh, has dated badly but you know this could be a bit like the Trump presidency and that there could just be, you know, celebrity outrages after celebrity outrages, American culture kind of coarsens and maybe in four or five years' time there would have been lots worse at the Oscars or, you know, the Oscars itself would have imploded in fury and fistfights, so who knows. Colin, another person in the public eye who's fallen from grace uh, was also front-page news this uh, last weekend. Yeah, this was interesting. That was Zach Guilford, the ex-All Black, who's, um, whose problems with addiction and uh, his own impulses have kind of wrecked his rugby career and reputation. So he was front page lead on the Weekend Herald, the headline, I'm sorry, Zach Guilford on hurting people, what he did with the money and his medical diagnosis. And he'd been sentenced to home detention for stealing thousands of dollars from his grandfather and from another person. And um, the Herald, weirdly, coincidentally, I suppose, was part of the story because Zach Guilford, it turns out, had told uh, the mate he stole money from he needed the money to fight a defamation case against the Herald. Uh, But that was completely untrue. Did the Herald come down on him like a ton of bricks or...? No, not at all. I, 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 I half expected that when I looked at the story, knowing a little bit of the background. But usually... When there's this sort of story, it's either a kind of a pile-on, you know, now that the the court case is over, the sentencing, all the details are out, it's it's pretty much a no-holds-barred telling of someone who was already, you know, a bit low in reputation. Or, if it's not that, it could be part of a sort of managed damage control sort of thing where um, PR agents... Or, you know, if they're showbiz, you know, their showbiz employers are sort of negotiating the access, controlling what can be said, what can be asked, and hoping that something a bit positive uh, and uh, reputation rescuing would appear in the media. But in this case, the Herald story wasn't really either of those things. So what did they do? How did they handle it? Well... I think the thing that made a difference, because he'd been in court in uh, Masterton, he'd been living in the Wairarapa, and it was the Herald's Wellington reporter, Katie Harris, had been following the story. And it was a tricky one to report because there were suppressions and reporting conditions imposed by the court. You know, it ended up being her doing the interview, and she actually made a full version of her podcast, In The Loop, which I talked about in Media Watch a couple of weekends ago. She does a podcast aimed at uh, bringing news to younger people. She, she put it to him in the podcast. Um, she told her audience, rather, how the story had come about. Now, his new employer reached out to me and really just wanted to give Zach an opportunity to reply to the stories and to also apologise for his offending Plus explain a new diagnosis which he received that he believes really explains and really impacted his life, which is ADHD. Right, well from that audio you could be mistaken for thinking that that was one of those managed damage control type interviews that you just mentioned. He's sorry, he's got a condition that makes life difficult. 
Yeah, yeah, it does. And I guess there is an element of, about that. But in the interview, um, he does he does confront it. it. It wasn't off limits. He doesn't minimise the consequences of his actions. So he's not trying to do that or promise that he's a reformed character or anything like that. He's he's quite candid. In fact, he is, he is just another bit of him sort of confronting that issue. Because deep down I just thought, f***, am I just a you know? Why am I doing these bad things that make no sense because I'm a good person? Why did I walk out on a rugby career that I worked so hard for as a kid? So I was like, have I just lost the plot, you know? What's going on? So it's, it was a huge relief. It was like, but also it's not an excuse. So he's saying it's not me, it's my illness. Yeah, there is a bit of that. and But part of the story that makes it interesting is that the way it came about. So Katie explained it in the podcast because we learned that Guildford's bosses at a Christchurch construction firm where he's working have actually taken in convicted criminals in the past. And they said they could see that things were going wrong with him. And his boss got him tested for the ADHD and got this diagnosis. And then, um, you know, his firm belief now, Guildford, is that if it had been diagnosed earlier, his life could have been different. And he talks about that in the interview and in the Herald's uh, story in the paper. But, you know, it was interesting that, you know, because it wasn't coming from a celeb agent, it was coming from someone working in a kind of a grassroots way, you know, giving him employment, trying to look after him. You know, you got a very different telling of, of something. And I, it just triggered in, in my mind when he was in trouble. I went back as the first 10 years ago when lurid stories about his misbehavior started appearing. Um, and he was you know, losing contracts and being kicked out of uh, rugby clubs and so on. The sports writer uh, Dylan Cleaver uh, said, look, most people in rugby, you know, seem to say you know, professional rugby is actually quite a good environment uh, for, for young men to grow up and, you know, people who might go off the rails otherwise gives them structure and so on. But at that time, you know, he was urging the rugby union to, to ease him out of pro rugby, didn't think it was doing him any good, get a proper um, psychological help for him. And, you know, it turns out he was right. So it, it, is, it is an interesting story to follow. And I think the way the Herald have done it, you know, it, it's not, uh, you know, it is giving him an opportunity to say things that he wants us to know which kind of explain his behaviour, which is pretty reprehensible and reckless. Uh, but I certainly look at him in a different light now because of the way that story's been handled. In wider world news, TVNZ News has been investigating allies abandoned in Afghanistan. Yes, uh, when the Taliban took over in, uh, I think it was the middle of last year, um, yeah, this is a problem for a lot of the countries who've been part of that US and NATO-led effort uh, there. They were trying to get their people out in a big hurry before the Taliban swept in and it became impossible. And then in the middle of all those repatriation flights, it was a very dramatic story um, at the time. There was a huge suicide bombing at Kabul's main airport and all those flights came to an end. And that left a lot of people um, that had worked with uh countries, including New Zealand and our NZ Defence Force, uh, their contractors, their translators and so on, stranded and very worried that there'd be reprisals against them from the Taliban for working with the enemy. There were even some people, I think, that were eligible for, had been even been issued visas but couldn't get out. And there's been some reporting, the Herald, uh, for example, I think Thomas Coughlin, um, David Fisher had reported about this, followed up the plight of some of these people. Um, but good on TVNZ for doing that again this past week. Um, they'd be digging into people in the Bamiyan province where our provincial reconstruction team was. And last Friday, One News led with a story by Benedict Collins saying that there was one interpreter who 
had not had his application accepted. The rest of his family's already here. But even though three senior uh, Defence Force personnel confirmed that this guy did work for us, uh, there has been uh, no approval of his application. And Benedict Collins followed up like this. For days, One News has been asking government ministries about this case. We've been trying to find out what's going on. Now we've been told the Defence Force is reviewing Mr Atiyeh's case. A man who put his life at risk to help our troops, now more in danger than ever. Well, it sounds like there'll be more on that story to come. So, so what others have TVNZ been looking at? Well, in the weekend, TVNZ Sunday show had a report on uh, the lives of people who had worked for NZDF and, and did get out, also mostly from Barmian. Um, but they still have family members like uh, the guy Benedict Collins was reported on there who missed the re- repatriation flight. So what I didn't know was that a pretty arbitrary deadline had been set for last August for people who missed the initial evacuations. Um, and, you know, through no fault of their own, because they were in hiding or couldn't get across borders or whatever, uh, they've, they've just been kind of cut adrift. Um, and this is uh, how uh, reporter Mark Kreisel uh, tried to get some accountability at the end of his piece on Sunday. The Minister of Immigration, Chris Farfoy, declined our many requests for an interview, but sent us instead a statement. We wanted to know why the cutoff date was so immovable, especially when there are eligible Afghans who worked with the New Zealand forces who are in serious danger. Nothing in this two-page statement answers that question. Well, that sounds terrible, but obviously a very complex situation, and it's hard to get people out, and it's hard to say how much responsibility New Zealand bears for the way things panned out in Afghanistan. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, it could be an open-ended commitment, couldn't it? I think there were already something like 900 Afghans have made their way out. But um, Sunday didn't go hugely into that question, but that question of the, the deadline and tried to get answers about why there isn't any flexibility about it, I thought was a good one. And, you know, of course, if you remember all that fuss about Charlotte Bellis, the New Zealand TV reporter who worked for Al Jazeera, kind of running a bit of a campaign against the MIQ system and saying, I can't get out and only, you know, I feel safer and uh, Afghanistan's the only country I can shelter in and so on. And a lot of people at the time felt sympathy for her, but also that she was, you know, there was a bit of opportunism and a bit tone deaf to the, the plight of people who really, really have no option. So I think only fair that um, these people who worked with us and, you know, it was a long, long engagement in Afghanistan, uh, that they're, they're not forgotten. And if the media continue to press uh, the government about people who look like they've got a good case, um, I think that's, that's work really well done. Colin, did the Afghans who have made it out feature in the report? If they did, what did they have to say? Well, they they did a bit. I mean, Mark Chrysler sat down with some of them and, and some of the younger kids who are now full of optimism about their new life in New Zealand and grateful to be here. And it was quite heartwarming. And, you know, they threaded through a bit of that. It rubs me up the wrong way, actually, the sort of sentimental plinky-plonky piano soundtrack and, uh, you know, heartstring stuff. Um, but, you know, I worried a bit about this at the start because the, the initially the report focused on a New Zealand Defence Force captain, Alan Nelson. She'd served there and had spent months trying to get people out. And I worried, oh, is this, the story isn't really about her, it's about the Afghans, or should be. But look, in a way, you know, if she can sit there at home and here in New Zealand and find these people, pursue their cases, get them out, make progress, well, why can't the Immigration Service and the Defence Force? So no, totally valid and a good report by Sunday and Mark Chrysler. Isn't that plinky-plonky music annoying? It is to me. Other people, I think, don't hear it, but that even works for me in film soundtracks. You know, people like Hail John Williams, I think it is, is a genius, all these Spielberg 
films with these string heavy orchestral soundtracks and to me they just wreck a tense movie when I hear this bogus music Uh, so yeah it's a personal thing I can't handle it but other people probably a bit more understanding and less uptight than me about it it's a little different on a film than it is on something like Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, tr- true enough. But look, it, it's um, it, it has been a standard for a, a lot of time. And I think if you look at the I likes of 60 Minutes it. in Australia, they lay it on a lot heavier. So, um, yeah, it, it could be worse. It's not my style, but, um, you know, the, the content of that report, it, it didn't undermine it at all. But, um, yeah, I suppose I can't help myself griping about things like that. It's all, it should be about the content. You're right. But just get rid of the soundtrack. I'm with thank you. you. Thank you very much. Colin, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks' time. Sure thing.